Welcome to the One City Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people draw closer to God by practicing the way of Jesus. We hope that your time with us blesses you and that you're able to see the invitations of Jesus to experience the love that he has for you. Connection between Advent and Christmas, but by the 6th century, the Romans tied Advent to the coming of Christ. But the coming they had in mind was not Christ's first coming in the manger in Bethlehem, but it was his second coming, when his rule and reign of God's kingdom and his redemption and restoration of the world would take place. So Advent is certainly a time of celebration and anticipation of Christ's birth, but it's more than that. It's only in the shadow of Advent that the miracle of Christmas can be fully understood and appreciated, and it's only in the light of Christmas that the Christian life makes any sense. Advent is the in-between of the fulfilled promise of Christ's first coming and the yet-to-be-fulfilled promise of his second coming. Swiss theologian Karl Barth said these words in regards to Advent. He said, Unfulfilled and fulfilled promises are related to each other, as are dawn and sunrise. Both promise, and in fact the same promise. If anywhere at all, then it is precisely in the light of the coming of Christ that faith has become Advent faith, the expectation of future revelation. But faith knows for whom and for what it is waiting. It is fulfilled faith because it lays hold of the fulfilled promise. And that promise for the church, for us as a church, is Jesus Christ. He has come to earth, and he will arrive again. This is the essence of Advent. So what's in store for tonight as we begin this season of preparation for our hearts for the coming of Christ, we're going to be taking a look at hope. How does hope play a part in our lives as we stand in the between space of unfulfilled promises and fulfilled promises. So as the end of the year is coming to a close end, I've always been a big New Year person. Like, I, I, I get more excited for New Year than I do for Christmas, which, which sounds heretical almost, right? Like, I, I'm just naturally very optimistic, so no matter how bad or hard a year was, I always like this concept of a New Year fresh start, get to reset and learn from the past and hopes for a brighter future. And as long as I can remember, I've always been keenly aware that there's a deeper, richer life than what I was experiencing. I couldn't put into words the way I can now, looking back in hindsight, but for all of my life, I've been aware of this great desire and need in my heart to be loved deeply and to love deeply in return. So at that time in my life, I didn't quite understand and know that this deep longing was embedded within me because it came from God's deep love for me and how he was stirring my heart into relationship with him. So what I thought was, you know, what, what I thought at that moment was like, maybe this deep craving was for the love of my life, a wife and a spouse, a person that I can spend the rest of my life growing old together, starting a family, going on adventures you know, exploring all that life had to offer. So with this firm conviction since I was about three years old, I knew that I wanted to grow up to find the love of my life, get married, have kids, and then this deep ache in my heart would grow satisfied. So every year I would pray and hope that this dream and desire would come true, and every year would pass without this fulfillment coming into fruition. 
But I continued to hold on and I was hopeful in anticipation of something good happening next year. Fast forward as the years have passed, I am 30 years old now, and this fulfillment has not yet come to be. And I discovered in the process that there is much that is yet to be fulfilled in our lives. For some of us, it may be a spouse, maybe it's a family, maybe it's to have kids, maybe it's a, it's a chronic illness or a disability that is yet to be healed by God. For some, it may be marital issues that seem impossible to reconcile. For others, it may be a sense of lacking meaning and purpose, leading to a deep awareness of emptiness and loneliness. Whatever your situation may be, there's a lot that our hearts deeply long for. Yes, there is much goodness, beauty, wondering, things to be joyful and grateful about, because we are promised a life of abundance, as Jesus is our good shepherd, like we spoke about last week. But we can't deny that ever since the fall of humanity into brokenness and sin in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve wanted to become like God, there is also suffering, sickness, death, decay, torment, and evil that is a very real part of our life and existence. To be in denial would be foolish. We live in contested space holding intention, light and darkness, life and death, holiness and brokenness. I believe that we have become a generation that is a master of dismissing our disappointments and hurts by utilizing apathy to disconnect us from our heart's longings. And we've allowed comforts and security and material possessions or maybe financial freedom to be the defining characteristic of whether our life is quote unquote good or not. But when we are disconnected from our true purpose in life in the grand scheme of God's kingdom, we always feel a subtle restlessness, a discontentment deep within our souls. Life is good, work is good, relationships are good, but we feel a disconnect that we are not living life to the fullest. And friends, Jesus came into this world to bring hope that there is so much more that, that you are not currently experiencing and that the best is yet to come. So my prayer tonight is that your heart will be stirred once again to be able to dream big and have hope in that there is more in God's kingdom, that it is here and now in your life, and that you have access to this reality no matter what circumstance or season you may find yourself in. So a little history detour. If you think about the people of Israel, they were waiting 400 years between what we know as the Old Testament and the Book of the Prophets to the New Testament when John the Baptizer began pronouncing the coming of the kingdom of God and the arrival of the Messiah, right? These 400 years were known as the 400 silent years because it was a span where no new prophets were raised and God revealed nothing new to the Jewish people. 400 years of silence, 400 years of obscurity, 400 years of longing, of waiting, of unfulfilled promises. And friends, we too are in the in-between of the post-resurrection commissioning of the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, and the second coming of Christ when he will establish a new kingdom here on earth and bring restoration and redemption. But with all the current world events and things that have taken place in our country and our time, we can clearly see that our generation is facing a hope crisis. 
global pandemic that hasn't officially ended, mass shootings that seem like it pops up every other week, the spike of suicide and mental health disorders, tanking economies, a war breaking out in the East, drug abuse and overdoses ravaging inner cities, widespread homelessness, social injustice, deep division and tribalism over politics, just to name a few. And similarly, during the time when Jesus was born and made his appearance into the world in human flesh, the people of Israel were facing injustice and oppression by Roman rule. There were political tensions and divisions among other tribes and sects that were all trying to bring peace and harmony. Sickness and death, loneliness and pain, suffering and unfulfilled promises, these are nothing new for the human race. It's been going on. And it seems like that prophecy of a coming Messiah that was spoken 400 years ago for these people seemed like a fairy tale or a wishful thinking. But what's interesting is if you take note, it was in the midst of their suffering, their angst, their confusion and chaos and the ugliness that is life, that's when Christ came into the dark world as light, as hope for people to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release them from the darkness. It wasn't when the world's problems were solved. It wasn't when everything was perfect that God entered into the world. He came into it in the midst of chaos and disorder and brokenness. And a light that came, and Jesus was the light that came to shine in the darkness and the messiness of Hope amidst our everyday, ordinary, mundane life. So I love how John introduces Jesus' uh, entry into the world of darkness as the light of the world in his gospel. And he writes this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everybody, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. The light of the world has come into the world and shown us a pathway to give us direction and the confidence to be expected of greater things to come into the world. Think about this, like, what does light do? Light facilitates and cultivates life, right? Can Plants cannot live without light. If we didn't have any sunshine, we wouldn't be alive, right? Light, sus like, light sustains life. And a lot of times, it is in the light that we see revelation as well. We can't see when things are dark. We can't find our way when it's dark, right? There's this correlation between 
light and darkness that guides us towards growth. And light and darkness is also very much a part when we think about the word hope. You know, we need light in order to find our footing and to find our way. Otherwise, we would get lost and lose hope that there is a way out. You know, we, we can survive and go weeks without food, days without water, minutes without air, but we cannot go a second without hope. All of us, whether it is in Jesus or not, place our hope in something or someone. Without meaning, we're not able to survive. Viktor Frankl wrote, Man's Search for Meaning, telling the story of his life and experience as a prisoner in Nazi concentration camps. During his time in the camps, he observed that those who survived the longest were not necessarily the most physically fit. The ones who survived were the ones that maintained a sense of hope and control in their environment. He believed that we could find hope in even the darkest of places and that our motivation for life comes from meaning. Frankel stated that when we do not have meaning or purpose for our lives, our mental health begins to deteriorate. When we realize our lives are lacking purpose, that is when we start becoming anxious and using coping mechanisms like avoidance, binge-watching Netflix, overeating, substance abuse, or compulsively shopping. Depression, he claims, stems from when the person we are doesn't match the person we want to be, and the gap between the two is so large we can no longer ignore it. And I'm gonna repeat that one more time. Depression, he claims, stems from when the person we are does not match the person we want to be, and the gap between the two is so large we can no longer ignore it. Now think about that. Webster Dictionary defines hope as trust in its most archaic and simple definition. But it also means to desire with expectations of obtainment or fulfillment or to expect with confidence. The question I have for you guys tonight is, what or who are you putting your hope in, your trust in? Is it Jesus and the promises and the reality of the kingdom that is available here and now? Or is it something or someone else? We all have something or someone that we put our hope in. For some, it could be electing the right person into office. For others, it may be a security net and financial freedom to not be in scarcity. For others, it may be a self-help method, mindfulness. It could be an awesome hobby that gives you the thrill of your life. It could be exploring the world. It could be a job or career that gives you a sense Here's the point. There are many substitutes in this world that can give us a sense of hope. But unless our hope is in Jesus, who has come and made the kingdom available to us, we're always going to feel like we're standing on shaky ground. You know, Hebrews 6.19 says that Jesus is the anchor for our souls. We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus forerunner on our behalf has entered, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And I think, you know, I, I think about when I was training, and I have this one client, she was three years older than I was, I was 26 and she was 29, and she had everything. She had an awesome job, she was pretty, she was 
fit, you know, a lot of good things going for her. And I just remember though, she was so so torn with this like concept of she she had a disconnect. She she knew there was more to life, and she was always very such a sensitive girl. She was very in tune of her heart. And she felt this disconnect. She had everything that was quote unquote good in her life going for her, yet she was very unhappy and she felt like her soul wasn't anchored. She felt very, very unsteady for some reason, right? So I remember seeing her one day and she was just completely out, wasn't paying attention, trying to have a conversation with her, and she was just totally checking out. Didn't think anything of it in the moment, but I just had this like weird feeling that something was deeply wrong. And then supposed to have a session with her on Monday. She didn't come and she's a very punctual type A type of person. So I was like, wow, this is what's going on. Maybe she's depressed, I don't know. Gave her a call, no reply back. Second day, same thing, she didn't show up. So then I ended up getting her emergency contact, called her mom and then found out that she committed suicide over the weekend. She was 29 years old, ended her life after she went to a country music festival with her family, and the next morning she hung herself. Her soul was not anchored in anything that was lasting. And that's an extreme example of what happens, but I think to a certain degree, we can all relate to some extent that there are times when life seems like it's going well, Things may be good externally, but deep within, there's something, that, there's a restlessness. It's almost like the soul is sending out an SOS signal. And it's generally because life is so fast, we don't have time, we're too busy, and life just keeps going, and we don't have the time to actually pause and stop and spend time with God or even tend to our own soul. To live with hope in our lives is to live with expectation and trust. And those who are expectant live and orient their lives differently from those who are not. I think about like a lot of, I know a lot of Christians who are like, man, I have hope in Jesus. I have hope in the kingdom. I have hope that good things are coming. I can do all things in Christ through him who strengthens me. But there's a big disconnect because the way they orient their lives do not align with what they truly believe in. They say they believe in the kingdom. They say they believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They say that they believe that Christ is working amongst them, but oftentimes there's a functional atheism where people operate like they are orphans and that if everything is on your own shoulder. It's up to you to get things done and nobody else, right? So I think about this like, man, like, if hope in the most archaic sense is trust, do we really trust him? Or are we really just trusting him with our minds and professing it with our mouths, right? That's easy to do. If you think about this, like when a baby is coming, expectant parents prepare for the baby's coming. They're not just passively waiting and not thinking about anything. They reorient their life and they have a disposition of readiness and they're taking measures to prepare for what is to come, right? So I think here, you know, last week we talked about emotional honesty, that God cannot meet us unless we are real with him. God is too real to meet us anywhere else than reality. He has to meet us in reality, right? It's not when things are perfect. It's not, you know, the prayers that, that, that 
please God. It's like, no, we have to meet him where we truly are. And sometimes it's an ugly place that we don't want to acknowledge. You know, and I think this is where asking for a greater measure of God's spirit must come before we ask for power. I think too often we want the power to heal. We want the power to cast out demons. We want the power to be able to go and preach the gospel. But a revelation that I received was that, man, power without the formation of your character into Christ-likeness is dangerous. That's like King Saul. That is like Samson. If you are not formed into the person of Jesus, if you do not have the character qualities of a loving servant, if you do not have the devotion to God in your heart set in stone, he will not give you the power because it's too dangerous. Too often we seek the power to get us out of hopelessness. We seek the power to just get the healing done. We seek the power for good things, right? Like we're, we're, we want to do more for God's kingdom. But what happens is subtly, ministry for God ends up taking devotion to God, right? And there's a big disconnect there. There's a huge disconnect. So I think with this, I always think how we must ask the Spirit for a fresh revelation of the Father's love for us. I think that's a daily prayer we need every single day. Because the voice that calls us His beloved must be louder than the voice that shames and condemns us and tells us that we're not doing enough. In John 14, 15, 20, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him because He abides with you, and He will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. I think a lot of times, like, I think John 14 is like everybody's favorite. You know, John 14, 15, 16, 17, like, everybody's like favorite passage of scripture because there's so much hope, so much promise, right? So much that we can get fulfilled in our lives. But oftentimes I feel that, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I feel the pressure that, you know, we're the ones that need to be initiating. We're the ones that need to be doing, getting things done, saying yes. And, and there is a layer of truth that we must put in the effort. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. But the truth is that sometimes, uh, sometimes we can get too much even into the control things in our spiritual life that we need to be the ones doing everything when God is the initiator. The Holy Spirit is the one who initiates us and brings us inner transformation to become people like Christ. And think about this too, like, you know, we are, we are so caught up in this, like, generation of content and knowledge and seeking things, and people never remember what you talk about, but they always remember what kind of person you are. They always remember that, right? And I think this is, this, this for us, is like, we have to remind ourselves that He has promised us His Spirit in the last days, and the Spirit is not only for the spiritual elites, it's not only for the gurus, it's not only for the monks, it's for ordinary, broken people with flaws and failure. This week has been rough for me as I was prepping for this, as I've been working full time. Um, and 
I'm going to be honest, I, I felt like a failure. As, I felt like a failure as a disciple. I felt like a failure as a pastor. I didn't have any like huge moral failure that you know I would need to resign or anything like that. But I, I did fail. I did fail. I failed in just following God. I failed in you know living up to a holy standard. I, I failed in you know I, I felt so broken and I felt like man I'm not worthy to be up here preaching the gospel, right? And I was like thinking like man like I can self flagellate myself with myself and. I'm just like walking in the morning and just praying. I'm like, Lord, like, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Like, have mercy on me, Jesus. And I didn't even realize that I failed three times this week. And then the moment I, that clicked for me, it reminded me of, of Peter. It reminded me of how Peter failed three times, of how Peter denied the Lord three times. And then all of a sudden I thought about, like, man, Peter needed to fail and to come to terms with his brokenness. Because can you imagine what kind of leader Peter would have been if he didn't fail and he was flawless? And I was thinking like, man, there would be very little dependency on God and it would all be on his own effort, his strength, his flawlessness. And in that moment, I was like, man, I think so often for us too, we fail in our journey. We stumble, we get mad. We get greedy, we get selfish, and we get down on ourselves thinking like, man, I am not changing at all. What's the point of this? And I think that's a big part that starts to feed into the hopelessness in our generation, especially within the church, is that we feel like, man, like we, we're just too messed up, we're too broken, we're too messy to be able to become saints. But the truth is saints are just people who fail forward just keep going by the grace of God and you learn that it's less about what you're doing and more about what God is doing in our lives. So to live with expectation, to live with hope, we must reorient our lives to match that of what we hope in. If our hope is in Jesus and his second coming and the rule and reign of God's kingdom, then we must reorient our lives to match this. What do I mean by this? To live passively without reorienting our lives to be with Him, and we're not even planning to be apprenticed by Him or to become transformed, is to live a disconnected life. If truly the hope and the anchor of your soul is the person of Jesus Christ, we must learn how to be apprenticed by Him. Because if we do not and we continue to live this disconnected life, it's only going to fuel the apathy leave us in a state of hopelessness that begins to become more and more and more numb because we cannot bear the fruit this way in our lives. Hope rises when we reorient our lives in alignment with what we are hoping for. If we are hoping for Christ and the kingdom to come to Orange County as it is in heaven, then we have to turn to practices and ways that we can anchor us in a world that is constantly changing. Because the true friends is that life is hard and it's gonna get harder. To hope is to be resilient. To hope is to stand strong. To hope is to endure whatever circumstance or situation we face. And humanly speaking, this isn't possible, but with the Spirit of God, it is possible. So church, what would it look like if we became a people who are known to be people who are unshaken? had 
hope so bright that it just shine our light into the darkness. And I think what I want to end with tonight is for the Spirit to just fill us. You know, John the Baptizer said that, you know, he, he's, he's the person who's baptizing with water, but one will come who will baptize with fire and truth. And for us, I think it, you know, what better way to end this message than to pray for a fresh falling of the Spirit to fill us anew and really bring about hope, true hope that rises within our soul. So guys, if you can, for those who are able to stand up, if you could stand up, I'd love to pray for us so we can receive more of the Spirit for a greater portion of God's Spirit. And then I'll invite Austin to close us up with some worship. Father, I just, uh, we just come to you right now with hearts open and surrender. Maybe for some of us, this is the first time that we are asking for your spirit to just fall afresh and to really stir within our hearts to baptize us in fire and truth. But God, for those whose hearts are willing and open and asking for that right now, God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch their spirit, that you would fill them, God, right now with your truth, with your fire, Lord, that the Holy Spirit, you would fall afresh upon these people, God. Maybe there's a sin that we need to confess in our life. I ask that you give us the strength to bring that out of the dark and into the light. I pray, Father, for those who maybe have had expectations and ideals and they have a hard time letting go of control of how life should be, God. Father, may you gently, gently help them to release control and to open their hands so that you can put good things in their life. For others, Lord, who are maybe in a current season where everything feels hopeless, everything feels dark, and they don't know how to get out of it, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that you would be so near to them and that you would grab them, Lord, that you would put them on your shoulders and that you would bring them back, Lord Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now. We ask for greater measure, a greater portion. Help us to become people who are transformed and become like Christ that you may be able to trust us with power to be able to go out and to love and to bind up the brokenhearted, to free the captives, and to liberate people from the darkness that is in this world. So Holy Spirit, may you bless us, may you commission us, may we walk in step with you. And we pray this, Lord, in the power and the mighty name of Jesus.